Local voices, local conversations. NapaBroadcasting.com Thanks for joining us here on NapaBroadcasting.com. It was of all people Henry Kissinger who said of academic politics that the reason they're sometimes so vicious is because the stakes are so small. It's not surprising, then, that of all of our local area races, including the Board of Supervisors race, with almost a half a million dollars being spent in District 2, that one of the most contested races is for the College Board of Trustees in District 1, a race that pits board incumbent Dan DeGuardi against former St. Helena Library Director Jennifer Baker. It is my pleasure to welcome Dan DeGuardi here to the studio. Dan, thanks so much for coming in. Well, thank you, Jeff. Glad to be here. Great to have you here. Uh, this is your second time around. You've run for uh, the board once. This is for your second term on the board. Talk a little bit about what you've liked and disliked and what the first uh, term has been like for you. Well, you know, it's it's funny. It takes, uh, takes a little while to understand the landscape, just the educational acronyms, putting names and faces, and understanding who does what what job here. But it's interesting. Uh, something I've said repeatedly during my uh, precinct walks is that going into this, I thought it might be a position that I like. But as it turns out, it's, I love the job. I, I just love the interaction, not only among the board members, but, uh, but with the different constituency groups here and the individuals at the college. And it's it's been an eye-opener. Napa Valley College has a lot of good programs, but far more than I knew about. And there are a lot of good people here that, that uh, make sure those programs are as good as they are. So I want to talk a little bit about the constituencies. One of the things that the college had is this uh, has is this idea of shared governance mm-hmm. and really involving everyone in the process. Talk a little bit about that, and how is it working within that system? Well, the ch- term shared governance, I've been told, is really should be called participatory governments. And um, the Academic Senate, the Classified Senate, have a voice in in policy. The board ultimately sets policy for the college. But the president on his own, the board on their own, and the, the, two, the two senates on their own cannot themselves set policy. So we need to work together to change important parts of the college or decide not to change. It can be difficult at times, but it is a collaborative effort, and I think we do pretty well at it. Talk a little bit about what you see the role of the Board of Trustees as. What, what is the role of the Board within the context of a complicated institution like this? Well, of course, you know, the on paper, the role of the Board is to set policy for the college, hire the president, set his goals, evaluate him, and uh, just oversee the projects. And it's interesting because uh, last year during the accreditation visit, I had a couple of interviews because at the time I was chairs and I was on the accreditation committee. So I had two different interviews for those positions. And one of the questions I asked the, the group was that we struggle as board members to know when to back off and when to actually be involved in, in the things at the college. And he gave me an interesting phrase that's really stuck to me. He said, hands on, fingers out. So we're not supposed to be involved in the day-to-day operations, but we, we oversee it. And it, it is a, a constant juggling act, knowing when we should step in, when we should back off. And, uh, and it, it's among the board members, forgetting the constituency groups for a minute, 
there's seven of us, and no one board member can change anything. We have to decide among ourselves what the policy is, what the goals are, and, and reach a consensus. As you look back at the past four years, talk about the things you think that the board has accomplished, the things you've all done that, that really are consistent with those ideas and that mission. Well, I guess the, the preparing for accreditation was one of the biggest things in the past year. And, uh, you know, a difficult task to be sure because every, every piece of the college has its own, its own uh, program that has to be up to snuff for the accreditation visit. Difficult task to say the, the least. And Dr. Wernall was, was fantastic at uh, bringing it all together for the college. Getting through that process was, uh, was difficult, but we, Napa College was actually one of the, was the first college that uh, went under the new accreditation system. And uh, among all the college that, colleges that did, did go through this accreditation process, we came out better than any of them. There were three findings that uh, they want us to address, and we're addressing them. We're, we're going heads-on to it. They're going to double-check in 18 months, but we have our seven years accreditation. It's kind of like, um, you know, if you get, get a fix-it ticket on your car and they say you need, your tires are bald, well, you go get new tires, and that's essentially what we're doing. There's been a lot of negativity kind of surrounding this with respect to this campaign about whether there is accreditation, how long the accreditation is for, whether the accreditation could be taken away. Talk a little bit about that. Well, I think there's a misunderstanding. The accreditation team <coughs> will revisit us in 18 months to see if we've addressed the three concerns that they had. But make no mistake, we are fully accredited. Napa, Napa Valley College has never been on sanction and uh, we have a seven-year accreditation. Now, should they come back and see that we haven't addressed these concerns to their satisfaction, they could put us on sanction. But I don't see that. I think that it's an overblown uh, possibility. Talk a little bit about the relationship between the board and the administration and how that's gone over the past several years. <coughs> right. Um, well, in terms of the administration, we deal directly with the president for the most part. And uh, he, through his staff, gives us information about various things at the college and through the administration. And I, for one, have always gotten along with the administration. I think most of the trustees do also. But we ask pointed questions. We don't just assume that every piece of information is, is accurate. And sometimes it, it needs clarification. And so, you know, as trustees, we can't be afraid to ask the tough questions, which we do. Talk a little bit about what you feel you've accomplished and what you've brought to the task personally over these past several years. You know, as a trustee, we represent not only a specific geographic area of Napa County, but we also have diverse backgrounds. There's an attorney, there's two educators on the board, there's various problems. My background is in labor, and I think I bring a labor perspective. But that being said, it's not an agenda. It's just my background and, and sometimes how I view things. I think the worst thing any trustee can do is bring an agenda on the board. One project that I've been personally involved with, I'm on a steering committee for the TIP program, Trades Introductory Program. The uh, Building Trades got a grant from the state to partner with community colleges for a uh, 
both a hands-on and a classroom view of each craft, then those students who succeed can get a leg up toward the apprenticeship programs. So for my personal involvement, that is, that's one particular issue. As a board member, I think I've, I've uh, shown a great deal of leadership. In just my second year, I was elected vice chair. My third year, I was elected chair. And we don't have an automatic rotation. We elect these positions every year. So I, I, think I've, I think I've done well in my four years. One of the things that's happened during the four years you were there was the bond, the failure of the bond issue a couple of years ago. Talk a little bit about that and the concern that came up in the After Action Report about the college not doing enough, a good enough job in communicating with various parts of the community. What have you seen? What improvements have you seen? Well, you know, we, we took that report to heart and understood it. We, there were some, certainly some tactical errors. I think we started the project too late, and was, we were late getting our message out. So I understand that a lot of people feel that they didn't get enough information regarding that. So uh, we came very close. A clear majority of Napa residents were willing to support the college's need for a bond. We got... We, we got over 50%, we got 54%, and just a little shy of the 55%. If we should pursue that at another time, it's a lesson learned. We need to be more specific with the plans and start earlier in communicating with the public. Um, I will say, though, that uh, there are some situations at the college that need to be addressed, and we have reached out We've explored the idea of public-private partnerships, and we have had some private interests. The viticulture program is one situation where we've had some private investment. And I think uh, people have seen the article in the Napa Register about the housing, and we've had forums regarding the housing. And that is developers approaching us with the idea of them developing the property, sharing the revenues with us, and handing it off to us. They would sell bonds privately, and it would have no impact on uh, public property taxes or college funds. So it's things that we're exploring to make improvements at the college without automatically going to the public every time we need something. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about the housing project and, and, and the whole idea of creating housing for students, possibly for faculty and, and for veterans and, and others in the community. Well, it's interesting. You know, one, the, probably the number one overall issue in not just the city of Napa, but Napa County is housing. Pros, you know, values have gone up, and yet wages have not gone up that much. And one of the problems are because it's a tourist town, and uh, we've the city and county have invested so much money to encourage tourism that a lot of people have been buying houses rather than renting hotels. That not only elevates the prices of the housing, but it uh, reduces the inventory, which makes it very difficult for people who work here to live here. So how do you address that? There's several ways, and the potential campus housing is one small piece of that, Poten potentially. Now, if, the, if it's fully funded by developers, we, you know, we thought, would it be just for faculty, just for students, or a mix, or, or staff? And, that, and the real answer to that is, we don't know. We just started exploring the idea, and we're seeking opinions from the community, as well as college constituencies. And quite honestly, 
I don't have a firm opinion on that right now. I'm, I'm in the exploration stage of it myself. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about the other areas where you think that the college still has work to do. Talk about the financial side of things here. Well, as of almost all community colleges, there, there is budgetary, budgetary concerns here because it's been we've got a clear message from the state of California that uh, we're not going to get the funding that we used to get. There are certain uh, certain colleges, Marin College for one, who who is a basic aid college. That term has been changed to community-based funding. What that means is the uh, state chancellor's office sets a bar to, on each college for how much money they're going to need to run their college per year. And most of the in- money for colleges comes from property taxes. Well, the state will fund the difference between the property taxes and that bar to a degree. But Marin, as I suggested, they get so much money from their property taxes, they don't need any state funding. So they're awash in in funds. We're not there, and most colleges are not there. So we struggle to make budgetary concerns. But the budget is set on needs and on the previous year. And so it's a prediction, and no prediction is 100%. So a couple of times we've had to tap into our reserves. A 5% reserve is considered healthy. But I think we've improved that over the last couple of years, and this next year's forecast appears to be even better. Talk a little bit about the issue of transparency, and do you think that the college is doing everything that it can do in that regard? Well, I think we can we can always strive to be more transparent but uh, you know we have the board meetings not only are they open to the public but all the documents related to that are available to the public most of it can be garnered online from the website if not anyone can call the office and get copies of that the board meetings are broadcast live by Napa Broadcasting and they're archived so people can look at it at any time and now through our new board docs online version of the uh, college you can follow it in real time on while we while we have the meetings and that includes the backup documents and after the first of the year we're it will you'll be able to podcast live and actually see it so if there's some sort of lack of transparency i've heard that from uh, from my opponent but i'm not sure where what we're lacking in transparency and if there's a specific thing that we're lacking, please let me know and we'll address it. Talk about what you would like to feel that you can accomplish over the next four years. What are the things that you want to set out as goals for yourself as a member of the board? You know, one thing that I've thought quite a bit about is, you know, Napa College is is somewhat isolated from the city of Napa. I'm speaking geographically. A lot of colleges are, are more close closely knitted into the community. And one thing that I've spoken to a lot of people about is uh, the bicycle thing. The Vine Trail now is a nice safe route along the river under the bridge. You can easily ride a bike from from, uh, City Napa to the college. One of my goals is to create not only a bike event on on a certain weekend, but to create the concept of of people riding their bike back and forth to the college in an easy, safe manner to help alleviate parking, alleviate traffic, and it's a healthy thing. And that ties in with the city 
Council working on improvements of, to Kennedy Park, of which obviously we are part of because it, we are adjacent to it. And there have been talks between the city and the college, and I really would like to build something along that lines to alleviate that situation. It doesn't solve all the problems of the isolation, but I think one of the things we send out mailers, we we put everything on the website, and still a lot of people don't know what all goes on out here. So I'm certainly open to suggestions on ways to draw the college closer to the community. And talk a little bit about who your supporters are in this uh, re-election campaign. Well, I've been very fortunate with my list of supporters. I mean, number one, Congressman Mike Thompson has endorsed me right, right from the get-go. I've known him for years, and I and he's, he's actually a good friend of mine. Assemblyman Bill Dodd, soon to be State Senator Bill Dodd, and probably one of the best endorsers is Barbara Nemco, County Superintendent of the Schools, um, Sheriff John Robertson, Mayor Jill Teckel, City Councilman uh, Scott Sedgley, Juliana Inman, Mary Luros, uh, Supervisor Brad Wagon Connect, Alfredo Pedroza, uh, who am I missing? Uh, Keith Caldwell, Belia Ramos-elect, uh, Gary Lieberstein, district attorney, uh, the, the Napa Solano Central Labor Council, Napa Solano Building Trades, SEIU. I know I'm missing some, but it goes on and on. It, there, I, I'm very fortunate. But the reason elected officials have supported me is because I know them and I've worked with them. And, and what's important about that, particularly... Uh, Assemblyman Dodd and Congressman Thompson, is when there's legislation that comes up that can benefit the college, I can call them and meet with them and we can talk about it. It isn't a, who's this guy coming to meet me? And, and that's the same, I've, uh, Cecilia Aguilar-Curley, I've made a point of getting to know her. She's new in the field, but she's likely to be our next Assemblywoman, so I, I felt it was incumbent on me to get to know her, and I've, got, I've gained her support, too. You having fun campaigning? Ah, you know, you know, it's interesting. I, I've, uh, you know, been canvassing the neighborhoods, knocking on doors. I, one bad decision I made was uh, choosing the hill parts of my uh, area <laughs> on, the, on those days when it reached 100 degrees. But I, but I tell you, Jeff, I'm getting in pretty good shape, and I, I've lost seven pounds so far in these <laughs> in the past month. So it's a, it's a good thing. It's nice to be in good shape, nice to have my clothes fit better, and... Uh, it, and it's and it's funny. It, to some people, this might sound kind of hokey, but it, it's it's the honest truth that when I'm knocking on doors and engage people, people are really interested in talking about the college, and they really appreciate me knocking on the door. There's been virtually no rude people along the line, and I'm actually am enjoying it. Napa Valley College Board of Trustee Dan DeGarty, I thank you so much for spending time with us. Well, thank you, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com.